Romans chapter 8, verse 28. In the NLT I'm reading. It says this. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Do you trust God today that he's a good God? Do you trust that he wants the best for you? Do you trust his plans for your future, plans for your family? Do you trust him in the circumstance and situation you're in now? Do you trust him? Do you believe that he is conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ, which is your greatest, greatest purpose, and he'll do whatever it takes, circumstance, broken relationships, finances, victories, joys, problems, to bring you to that point where the greatest thing that you desire is Christ and Christ alone. All your intentions and your obsessions fall flat compared to knowing Christ and wanting him in your heart and in your life. It's all about Jesus Christ. And seeing him one day will be our greatest joy. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them. To become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Do you know that David in Psalms chapter 89 was called the firstborn of his brethren? David was the lastborn. He was the least. But he was called of God and chosen. Christ was the firstborn because of his preeminence. Because he was the unique and only one. He was the one declared and proclaimed from heaven to be the Christ, the Lamb of God, that will take away the sins of the world. Amen? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was begotten. Get out of your mind that that word begotten means born. It means proclaimed. It means declared. It means generated from. Jesus Christ was generated from heaven to come down on earth And take our sin and take our shame. He went out on the battlefield all alone while his brothers stood on the sidelines and watched him defeat sin, death, and the grave. David went out on the the battlefield as well, right? I love his words. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Have you ever called friends uncircumcised Philistine? I have. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he would defy the name of our God, but also defy the armies of our God. David brought lunch to his brothers. And during that lunch break, he won the victory for Israel. And the Philistines were slain. Jesus Christ was sent by the Father to go to the cross to win our salvation. So that we might partake in the victory. It's amazing. After David slew the giant, he cut off his head. And he lifted his head in victory over over the Philistines. And all of a sudden, those sidelined, faithless, weasel sissies and girly girls that were all dressed up in the armor. All of a sudden saw that Goliath was defeated and they ran to the battle. Because the victory was won. See, as believers today, we don't run from the battle. We run to the battle. 
Because Jesus came to win the battle so that we can run to the battle because he won the victory. Amen? Do you see how it goes? Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God. Do you notice that there is nothing on your backside to protect you? You know why? Because you're too busy going after the enemy, winning souls, preaching the gospel, and taking down the gates of hell in our community. You're on the offensive with the armor of God. David came to uh, Saul. Saul dressed him up in his armor. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Little, little David. He was handsome, the Bible says. He was ruddy, and he had beautiful eyes. (laughs) Saul dressed him up in Saul's armor. And David said, I can't can't use this. I'm not used to it. See, the problem, friends, is that we get used to to using the things of this world, our natural, natural perceptions, our natural perspectives. We get used to it, and we don't win the battle. We stand on the sidelines. God wants to give you the heart of David to show you that Jesus Christ has won the victory. And he wants you to run to the battle. Do you have fear and anxiety today? Do you have depression? Run to the battle. Grasp this ever-loving gospel that you are a new creation in Christ. Old things are past. New things are here. Amen? Jesse sent David to bring lunch. Father God sent Jesus to die. David lifted up Goliath's head. Jesus Christ was lifted up on the cross. Bore our sin. Bore our shame. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might now stand as the righteousness of God. David's brothers mocked him. They did not go into the battle with him. Jesus was left alone. Everybody deserted him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, his three closest friends couldn't even stay awake while he was battling and sweating great drops of blood, knowing that he would give his heart, give his life, and experience the sins of the entire world on his shoulders. He did that for us, he and he alone. Amen? Let's keep reading. Romans chapter 8. Among many brothers, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Everybody say everything. Who dares accuse us? Whom God has chosen for his own. No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is seated at the right hand of God in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading and interceding for us even now. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Am I convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you want to move on with God, you got to experience his love. Amen. He loves you. What he wants to do is he wants you to relinquish control of your life. That's all he asks. The only thing that he asks is your life. That's all. He wants you to relinquish control so that he can, can come in as Lord. Maybe you've accepted him as Savior. Maybe you want all the blessings that God has, has for you. But un, unless you claim him as Lord to obey his word, obey his spirit, live for the glory of God and the praise of God and the excellence of knowing Christ. This is what it's all about. Knowing, knowing Christ. Maybe you got your hands on something and you're controlling it. Come to God with an open hand and he'll take whatever is broken in your life and he'll give you redemption and he'll give you restoration and he'll give you life. Amen? I want you to listen to this wonderful, wonderful song called Control. As we worship today, let's, uh, let's examine our hearts. Amen? And evaluate where we are with Christ. He's asking for everything because he gave everything. He's asking for your life. Because he wants to use you for his glory and honor. The greatest thing that we can participate in is relinquishing control of our lives and giving him everything. Are you willing and ready to contemplate the actions of giving Christ total control of your life today and saying, whatever you want me to say, Lord, I'll say. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. Because I relinquish control of my life and I give it to you. I've, t- I've had control all my life and I've made it a mess. And now I give you full control over my heart and over my life. And the adventure is that you don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) Amen? Because he frees you up. He uses your personality. He uses your experience. He uses everything that the devil threw against you. And he uses everything that God provides for you. So that you will be blessed in everything that you do. Are you ready to relinquish your past hurts and your wounds and your brokenness and give them to God so that he can redeem you and restore you? Are you willing to give them to him and commit them to him and let it go? And when you let it go, God comes into your heart with everything that he is and everything that he has 
And he is your joy. He is your satisfaction. He is the glory of your life, the lover of your soul. And he becomes everything. And nothing matters but him. That's where we need to get as a church. Amen? Christ and Christ alone. Are you ready to relinquish control of your life? I'd like everybody off of your cell phones and looking up here and focus on God speaking to you. You might be reading scripture, I know. But it's a time of contemplation. It's a time of examination. Amen? Examine your heart today. God wants to take you where you've never, ever, ever been before. Living your life for glory and giving you satisfaction and fulfillment, giving you peace about life, no matter what the, what's happening outside. The storms are raging. The rain is falling. The floods are coming and the fire is burning. But your life is hidden with Christ in God and you're safe and secure. Amen? Amen. Give him your heart. Let him take it. And in response, he will give you his heart, his eyes, his compassion, his love to reach a lost and dying world. And you'll be a new creation. Old things are past. And like David, you can run out to the battlefield. Win the victory. Let Christ be Lord in your heart today. You might have accepted him as Savior. Let him be Lord of every decision of your life. And God will bless you. God will bless you. The Bible says that Jesus gathered the disciples, broke bread, and said, This is take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. As much as you eat this bread, you do it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and said, This is the cup of the new covenant, which speaks of my blood shed for you. As much as you eat this, you do it in remembrance of my death, my burial, my resurrection today. We remember the great work of salvation that Christ has done. Amen? Amen. You're free today because of what Jesus Christ has done. David, oftentimes we, we view the heroes in the Bible like we should emulate them. David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He destroyed his family. And he did not obey the law of God. One thing God said of him, though, that made all the difference. He had a heart after God. See, in his calling of David, Samuel said, as they went through every brother, and Samuel said, these aren't the dudes that I want to anoint king. And Jesse said, I got this ruddy-looking dude with beautiful eyes shepherding the flock out there. Bring him in. And Samuel said, this is him. God does not look on the outside appearance. He looks at the heart. And this is what he wants from all of us, is to give us this chance and opportunity to give him our heart. When we give him our heart, he gives us everything. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to partake of the wonder of this new covenant in which your very spirit resides within us, shaping us, molding us, conforming us to the image of Christ. Thank you that you made 
our stony hearts, hearts of flesh. That we can understand and know you and love you. You promised way, way, way ago, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will dwell in you. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit that is here today, ministering your grace and the wonder of who you are. We pray, O Lord, as we give ourselves to you, that you would bless, bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.